welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. It is today, October 31st, 2021. We are recording on Halloween, and... Very spooky. Well, my favorite part of the intro was that you let everyone know that today is today, and <laughs> that is always true. So, well, we are yes. recording today. But if they're listening to this 12 years from now... It will still be today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It will still be Halloween. It's okay. Although, man, you know what? I'm not putting bets <laughs> on anything at this rate. We're, we're, headed, we're headed down faster than a door fortress in a haunted biome. Yeah, that, that's cool. So anyway, message received. All right, so let's see. The, for the purposes of today's stream, I've pulled up that fortress that we had been noodling on the one that's in that crazy challenging old world and where where I think the theory, running theory that I had was that the world had basically gone extinct except for the undead and some necromancers but things seem to be a bit less dead because this fortress seems to be attracting a lot of migrants and that's something that I haven't seen before in this particular world so I guess this location that we've picked here on the east coast of the land of rasps seems to be pretty good. I don't even know if we've got danger around us or not. But anyway, we're alive, and that's all that matters. Cool. Okay, so last week I uh, asked our listeners if they would like to send us some questions and comments and all that because we were working up a bit of a Q&A episode. And the listenership responded. Ah, beautiful. So we've got some questions and comments to go over here. And I think that that will be enough to take up the whole episode. And we may not even get through the whole thing because I know how we like to find a subject and then talk for 30 minutes about it. So, (laughs) So, Roland, I want to get your awesome accent on that topic number one that Logan Hastings said, because I'm going to put reverb behind it in the post-production so that it sounds all awesome. Oh, okay. <clears throat> this one was on the, uh, as a comment, I think it was on episode 56, but, uh, well, but yeah. Interestingly right. enough, though, I think Logan and Hastings are both cities in Nebraska. Just thought I'd put that out there. <clears throat> Hastings okay. is a city in France, isn't it, as well? I mean, could be in Germany. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. Put um, oh, no. a couple of umlauts in there, and you could shove it anywhere in, uh, in Germany. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Out. Okay, Logan Hastings commented that every episode I listen and every episode my will is once again tested. Temptation beckons my soul ever closer to the brink. Always at the edge of my mind is the deep rabbit hole of this all-consuming game. I've seen souls who have become lost to it, spending every waking moment playing it and every sleeping moment dreaming of it. I will be strong of will. I will not be drawn closer. Only at afar may I observe the enigma that is slaves to Armok, God of Blood, Chapter 2, The War Fortress, for I have too much to lose. Well stated. Well stated, Logan. We're all there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really feel that. I, I don't know, Logan. I think I think you should give in to the temptation. You know, at some point, there is just like the tipping point. You're you're at the edge, and you tiptoe into it, and 
that you're gone. Yeah, I think just try it <laughs> once. You'll be fine. Just try it one time, and the first one's free. Yeah, it's it's not like hard drugs. Okay? Come on, Logan. It will you, only you destroy your it. life a little. Think about think about how your friends will think you're so cool. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, well, we're not going to do peer pressure. Yeah. Very well worded. I really feel it because a while back when I played Dwarf Fortress every single day for several hours, I started dreaming of it. And then I realized, oh my God, my dreams are in ASCII. I have a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was no surreal, there. you know, because suddenly, uh, like, entities in my dreams were just letters. And I'm like, okay, this is too much. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's another one of those games where you have the, I can't say one more turn syndrome since the fortress mode is not turn-based. But yeah, I'll be like, okay, let me just get this room dug out and then I'll go to bed. Well, um, I need to go ahead and, and set up the, the stockpile I don't want to put in it. Uh, oh, here comes a, a trade caravan. I need to go ahead and take care of the trade stuff before I go to bed or I'll forget mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's four o'clock in the morning. You've got to get up to go to work in three hours and go, oh, crap. And then you mm -hmm. have to quit your job. Uh, yes. Because you need to see what's yeah. coming next. And I, you know, like if you're at work. That's what happened to me. Yeah. Dwarf Fortress encompassed my entire life. Yeah. And so I quit my job. They're going to tell you to do stuff. And do you really want to do the stuff that they're telling you to do? You, I mean, you don't. You'd rather see what was going on in the fortress. And that's the right attitude. So Logan, I would say, I mean, jump in and yeah. YOLO yeah. into the fortress. This <laughs> is what you say. Just do it. All right. So that was an awesome thing, Logan. Um, Thank you very much, Logan, for, for listening and contributing. This segment is made possible by Eurus J. Jennings, creator of Assassin, the Rapid Equity. This is a quartzite earring. All Crafts Dwarfship is of the highest quality. It is decorated with bone of wild boar and willow, and encircled with bands of willow and giant cave spider silk. On the item is an image of Tulan Gift Trades the Dwarf in quartzite. Tulan Gift Trades is laboring. The artwork relates to the settling of the Dwarf Talon Gift Trades in Pick Hour, in the early spring of the year 7. Also on the item, is an image of Lorben Senses Shot, the Dwarf, in Quartzite, and an image of a giant Impala in Steel. Alright. Um, should I read the next one as well, because I already see my name in it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, Azari... Zar. Zar, I think Zar. I think Zar is in like a, like the Russian leader. Okay, Zar, it is then. Writes. I think I heard Roland mention trying to save military uniforms to use over multiple forts, and I'd also like to add saving manager orders over multiple forts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had to browse through the files and read it, but I couldn't find anything. So if you lot ever find out how to do this, please mention it on the show. Okay, so the thing is, I kind of know how to make new uniforms. However, it is unfun. It is an unfun process, and I hate it. It is somewhere in the RAWs, and it's basically just raw editing. 
where you take the already preset uniforms that exist and nibble around with them. However, it, it, it's kind of unfun because you don't click on what you have and what you want, but you have to put in the actual raw text into it. And you can't take the already existing uniforms as like a template because a lot is missing in those. So you have to you have to change like the the metal armor or the leather armor presets. Yeah, well, you can copy it and then change the copy. But uh, the problem here is in the metal armor, it basically just says uh, metal armor weapon whatever. You can of course change that into uh, metal armor whatever and weapon specific uh, bronze uh, like mace bronze for example. That, that's okay. However, it sometimes doesn't show up, and I straight up have no idea why. So I have not yet come onto the podcast with my amazing hack. But um, <laughs> huh. yeah. coming to manager orders, um, no idea. No, no idea. It's I haven't found it anywhere in the Ross. I no way. I don't know. <laughs> I find setting individual uniforms to be to be the most tedious part of the game, I think. I don't do um, it. I can't. Yeah. I just can't do it. At the most that I will do is I will tell them metal armor and then I will go in and set them all to a to a weapon type like you use a hammer, you use a mace and things like that. But yeah, I don't bother going into the the actual armor part. So yeah. I guess a preset if it would be would be cool to have so that you could set it and forget it and just pick that one next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's then it. you're taking away their individual personality choices. Yeah, <laughs> so but my my idea is just I don't want like a just randomly weaponized group of dwarves. I want like spear dwarves and I want mm-hmm. like specific. So it's not about the armor that much. Um, because yeah, weapons. Yeah, I would never use leather straight up. It's it's bad. Well, you use those for your for your uh, for your crossbowmen. Yeah, but it's still kind of bad. It it it's still kind of bad. Can crossbowmen wear metal armor? Yeah, but they they are really encumbered by it. Whenever I think crossbowmen, I'm still in the world of D and D, where at least in the in the version that I always played. Actually, it's magic users couldn't wear metal armor. I don't know if I remember anything at all about what Bowman <laughs> did. I guess I'm getting. I'm guess I'm getting my worlds mixed up now with um with uh, uh Diablo Skyrim Diablo One happens Skyrim. It happens. The the ultimate thing I want to add here is it's not with DF hack. It's just raw editing, and I'm still fiddling around. And I will keep you updated as soon as I know how to make sure everything is right and everything shows up every time. I will tell you. There was a second part of that question, wasn't there? Um, How to do it with managers? Yeah. I have not seen any manager orders in the RAWs. I I don't know where they stored. Yeah. So I think one way that you can do that is with DF hack, which I know the last part of it said preferably without DF hack. You can do it with um, Alt W. In, uh, in in DF hack and that's the workflow manager and then that those settings seem to persist between fortresses. Oh really? 
Hmm, cool. Yeah, much to, you know, much to the annoyance. If you've got it wrong, then when you start a new fortress and it's still trying to make 800 silver warhammers or whatever, and all you're trying to do is grow yams, like that, that makes <laughs> it kind of annoying. Yeah, it's doable. I don't know that I'd even consider playing without DF hack to, to be an option for me. What do you mean? Like without it, do you mean in general? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I would ever want to play the game without DF hack just because it not for any of the, of the big cheats, but uh, for example, and maybe this is a cheat, but I really love the fact that DF hack confiscates worn out confiscates and dumps worn out clothing. Otherwise, it's just littering up everything. And, and whenever you dump it into your into your Dwarven Atom Smasher, then that's going to help you with some frame rates there because you're yeah, getting rid of true. all kinds of crap that's that's just worthless laying around on the on the floors of their rooms and stuff. But the game is still having to keep up with yeah, that's, um, little that's things true. like that. Yeah. So I really it, like um, DF Hack. Is your only other frame rate option is to then get a faster computer, which is not. A great scalable way to play Dwarf Fortress. Um, although a uh, single core performance is all that really matters, I guess, for Dwarf Fortress. So you can go to the PC sites and see what's the fastest single core <laughs> CPU. And ah, yes. Your, uh, splash money on a game. Nice. Like, although I'll tell you, uh, I, I just checked because I was curious. And now the fastest single core CPUs are those new Macs that just came out. So. I don't know if anyone the ever M1s? got it running on M1. It's the M1 Pro is now the fastest single port, single core CPU by far. So really, um, yeah, but oh, I don't damn. think You're Tarn right. is publishing a native plan yet. But I think that would be a a real game changer. Is it? Would it really though? I mean, you know, whenever you have storage space, no matter how much storage space you get, you're going to end up filling it up. I think no matter how much processor power you have. You're going to end up filling up your fortress with crap that's going to slow down their frame rate. <laughs> you absolutely are, but it just gives you more time. <laughs> it gives you more time for that. Yeah, I'm running yeah. all right at a, a at times. I'm getting down to around 15, 20 frames per second. It just takes longer for the thing to to do its its stuff, and it, it's really not bit into my my enjoyment of the game so much for for this fortress. I'm still going on that same fortress that we were talking about last week, by the way. All right. Yeah, I think it's 10 years old now, 10 game years. I've got like 190 dwarves. My my great work, my pyramid is almost done. It's probably got another four levels in it before I've finished up. Every time that I start working on it, something else happens. I've been fending <laughs> off goblin raids, forgotten beasts, monitors. My, that fortress is going well. I posted, no, I'll I'll put this in the show notes. I posted the stone sense. Yeah. The stone sense picture of my pyramid in its almost completed state. I'll also, by the time I actually publish this for the regular podcast uh, release, I will probably have that pyramid finished and I'll publish the stone sense uh, picture of it. So it's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. I have had poor luck with stone sense, but you said that there was a, I think we talked about this in our discord chat, that there was like a, an update to it. Yeah, CleanerDev said that the person who did Armok Vision found the bug in Stone Sense and fixed it. And then the latest Dwarf Fortress starter pack, it is updated and it works. So, yeah, I just double clicked it. Uh, It started up with my, uh, I don't think I had to double click it. I think it's a part of DF Hack. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I chose that in in the the startup screen of the Dwarf Fortress starter pack and launched it up, and there it went. I also got uh got uh Armok Vision to work too, but wow, it's just really slow and it's hard to hard to control. My I don't think my computer's fast enough to to drive something that 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 is that detailed. <laughs> it may also be that I don't know how to run it, so. I'll, I'll keep trying it though. Cause I like the idea of, of that. That does sound cool. I'm going to play with it a little bit. Yeah. The great well. thing about, uh, the great thing about Armok vision is it is a unity 3d f- rendering where stone sense is an isometric view. So you don't have free flowing, um, you know, freedom of movement that you do have in, in Armok vision. That is true. Anyway. I actually showed. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I hope we answered your questions, Czar, because we just got way off track. Well, we've certainly answered some questions that no one asked, so that's <laughs> great. That's the value uh, we like to provide. Dwarf Fortress Roundtable is brought to you in part by a grant from the Brandon Wright Foundation, creator of Elisatsis, Thin Ankles, a bulky cave spider silk shoe. All Crafts Dwarfship is of the highest quality. It is made from cave spider silk cloth. This object menaces with spikes of giant cave spider silk, amethyst, and diorite. On the item is an image of Zuggler Vesseltor, the dwarf, in giant cave spider silk. Zuggler Vesseltor is burning. The artwork relates to the melting of the dwarf Zuggler Vesseltor, in peak hour, in the early autumn of the year 7. Tony? Not our Tony, but right. a Tony who wrote an email to us. And oh, and by the way, if you would like to send us an email, feel free to do so at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U R I S T at dfroundtable.com. And uh, every once in a while, we'll collect all of the uh, the questions and put them together either in a mailbag segment in an episode or we'll do a whole episode on, on questions and comments because it gives us lots of fodder for uh, discussion. but So Tony commented that whenever he builds multi-level walls, you know, that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago that I didn't know how to build multi-level walls and you demonstrated it for me, Tony. And like I just said, we've got that pyramid thing happening now, so it's working. What he always does though is use ramps and two deep walls to build up his higher walls. I hmm. do pretty much the same thing that he was describing and I will uh, post a, uh, I will post the email in the show notes and I do the same thing, except I don't do the too deep and I just use the stairways like, like a, like our Tony told us. So that works really well. Hmm. Okay. I'm a simpleton. I am all about the stairways. For whatever reason, I don't like to do the up down stairs unless I really am going to use them for up down. So I just do a J or sorry, a, a up stairway and a down stairway. And that works. Yeah, you got to be careful with building the up down stairways because I had this awesome idea of building this giant. I dug out a huge pit and then I decided I was going to build walls up above the pit so I could have this whole containment thing and then a drawbridge that would like flood the plane or whatever. Anywho, I used and then I built my fortress beneath it. And I used an up-down stairway as the first tier of my 
build stairways up so I can build walls up. Oh no. And of course then that punches a hole into the into the into what's below. So mm. when I flooded the pit for my awesome defenses, I had a hole that I didn't know about in and that was and that was the end of that fortress. So do be aware of that. <laughs> unless unless you don't care about that particular thing, but it was pretty amusing, I have to say. It did really help me, Roland. You you told me a couple of weeks ago, you said to think of the up-down stairways and the the up stairways and down stairways, think of them as only going halfway up yeah. or halfway down and that you had and the one above it or below it finishes out that half of the floor. That conceptual picture has helped me so much. It really does just make it click. I don't even have to think about it anymore because I'm building my stairway halfway up on one level and I have to go up to build it halfway down on the level above. So that really works well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. Uh, Tony also says that he sometimes exploits the situation in Dwarf Fortress such that whenever you smelt a metal item, it will give you more metal back than it took to build that item. Ah, yes. The good old trick. (laughs) I didn't really know about that. I found out about that a couple weeks ago. I don't remember where I found out, whether I was reading about it on Reddit or on a podcast. What did we talk about that already? Does it work years with, uh, ago? I think yeah. the adamant metal. Does it? What's that? Does that does that work with adamant? Adamantine. Well, yes. Uh, it, I thought it, you had it, to weave that or something, or do you smelt it? I can't even remember. That's no, how the, little the trick, I see of that stuff. The trick here is you have to make bolts and a single bar. Like there's actual math behind it, but I'm just gonna cut it short. A single bar gives you like 25 bolts and then you smelt every single individual bolt by itself, which then comes to 1.2 bars. Ah. And if you do that a lot, you basically get out more bars than you put in. I'm not sure. There should be adamantine bolts in the game because if there are, then you can probably do it as well with those. Yeah, one way to do that would, and it still is using the exploit, but whenever you get attacked, anytime that you get hit by bolts that the, that the goblins have shot at you out there on the field, instead of just collecting them, instead of just unforbid them, or sorry, claim them and melt them immediately, and you'll get yourself a little extra metal from it. That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is pretty cool. I don't think that that's too much of a cheat because dwarves are yeah. awesome and they, and they can. <laughs> They they have just a certain way with rock working and metal working, right? One of these days I'll live long enough. Oh no. Um No what? <laughs> what? Uh Did the game crash? client just crashed. Yeah. Nice. Wait, let me check the error log and see what happened. Which client? <laughs> Dwarf Fortress. OBS? Client. Or Dwarf Fortress? Yeah, Dwarf Fortress. Uh, yeah, uh, the stream is not black. Sorry about that, everyone. We'll have to stop and restart the game. Um, I'm going to just quickly check the error log. Wait, there isn't an error log. Uh, oh, wow. No, it's it's real dead. <laughs> what is happening Damn. here? Technology, am I right? Well, man, oh, man. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna call the Technology I'm gonna call rules. our uh, 
I'm going to call the IT support department for uh, <laughs> for our podcasting company here, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. Hi, this is Jonathan at Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Support. <laughs> How can I help you? <laughs> Why, thank you, sir. Um, this is this sucks. Why does this dang game not? What the? Oh, there we go. We're back. We're back. So, um, are we? We could be to the very crashy part of the world. Um, damn, it means we've lost all of the great stuff we were just working on. Oh well. What are you gonna do? Does this happen to you guys a lot? Do you get do you get a lot of in-game crashes? No. Or it just um, no, shuts no down and you're like, and that's the end. I found it's... with my older worlds this happens. Oh yeah, okay. Okay. F- fair. Yeah, shoot. Back to the beginning. Oh well. What happens more often for me is that I will have it minimized and just have leave Dwarf Fortress running in the background and I will forget that I have it minimized and I have to reboot for some other reason. And Dwarf Fortress, for whatever reason, doesn't stop Windows from rebooting and telling you, hey, you haven't saved this. That's probably some some attribute that you have to put in the code for a, a Windows-centric program. But it just, yeah, happily reboots and loses everything Damn. since uh, since the last save. Luckily for me, I have it save after every season. Yeah, yeah. Same. I thought that's what this was doing, and it clearly wasn't. So we're back to uh, the, sad. the start from 40 minutes ago. Uh, so I'm just going to follow the um, <laughs> the Varen here, who now doesn't have a bedroom after having had one. Oh, well, life is <laughs> oh, like yeah. that sometimes. Oh, he's sad. All now. right. So, Tony, thank you so much for uh, for writing in. Uh, not our Tony, uh, the <laughs> Tony who wrote in. He he didn't leave a last name, so uh, I don't know. That's fine. What his not last all of us. Is. Not all of us have last names. I I don't. So. <laughs> so there's just it's like Prince, Spock. Sure. Although Prince. Spock had a had a first name, it's just not pronounceable by humans, according to the episode. Uh, uh, Do you guys know oh, what screen I just accidentally got into? What's that? On the live stream, I just pushed a button and I don't know what I pushed and I have seen something that I haven't seen before. Dwarf preferences. Anyone? Yeah, what, what screen is I this? Know. I don't know what that is. We'll hit escape one time and, and we'll never see. see it again. It's gone. It's for, gone forever. No, is, it's not gone forever. We're recording it on the live stream. Soak it up. Is it, soak it, up. Is it something by DFAC? Oh yeah, it's, it's uh, all it down. Sounds like it. Okay, mystery solved. Alt M. That's pretty neat. Look, it tells me a lot of people like poetry. This seems like a pretty useful darn screen. If I yeah, this, do say this so has myself. to be DF hack. This is way too useful. This is really cool, <laughs> man. I, I love that somebody might be listening or watching and going, "Oh my god, you guys are just finding out about this." <laughs> are um, these all dwarves, or is this a particular dwarf? Like I think this is in the fortress. Look, twenty-four people like poetry. The luxurious wealth. And three people hate bats. That's right. And there are three creature pigs. That's nice. Um, oh, and people don't like barks, bark scorpions. Hmm, no, and they really don't like slugs. I don't really know what to do about slugs, though. What, what gets rid of slugs? Like in the rock, paper, scissors game in Door Fortress. Cats? Cats eat slugs. What eats cats? Chickens. Jonathan makes soap out of cats, and then... <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Hmm. <laughs>
This segment is brought to you by Christopher Harris, creator of Unibusher, the Rag of Quakes, a large amulet. All Crafts Dwarfship is of the highest quality. It is studded with bronze and encircled with bands of round diorite capuchons and beak dog leather. On this item is an image of February Metshoot the Dwarf and dwarves in cougar leather. February Metshoot is surrounded by the dwarves. The artwork relates to the ascension of the dwarf February Metshoot to the position of King of the Fleshy Hairy Swords in the year 1. Also on the item is an image of two grain wheat in diorite. Coming to the next question, I'm gonna mm, not that pedal the metal. Um, the good Dan comments. Seems like it would be useful to use the guild hall trick to train children in mutable skills. As the highest of these decide which skill we be, uh, will be connected to a strange mood. I've noticed that many fortress-bred dwarves tend to become legendary bone carvers or other crafts dwarf skills as this will be the skill chosen for the mood otherwise, which is correct. So a child growing up doing nothing might just get either something random or just defaults into bone carving and crafts stuff, which you don't really want to have because a child that is a legendary weaponsmith before his 10th birthday is probably the best dwarf you can have. I'm not certain how it works. However, I kept doing it and it kind of kept working. So I suppose I'm onto something. Question mark. Yeah. And this may have been as a response to in, and this could have been an older comment, but we had an episode where you first described this, this trick by putting the toys into the middle of a, of a, um, a guild hall. Mm-hmm. Oh. And you said that you like to do that with uh, with the uh, medical yes. dwarves and the medical guild halls, but that's not really a mutable skill. No, it's because, not because they don't get to create um, artifacts that are based yes. on the fact yes. that they're uh, diag- diagnis- diagnosticians. Yes. Um, so that may my, be the point that, the, that he's the Dan's trying to make. Yeah, my my idea is just uh, a. I enjoy having doctors in my fortress, and b. Doctors can write books about medicine, and I honestly prefer books over other artifacts because I think it's it's funny if you have like a man laboring for like twenty years of his life and then writing a book about breaking bones, and it's like a one page manual called "The Bones of Shattering." That is hilarious to me. So I'm really into the medical stuff, but I suppose if you have a like a metal crafter guild and you do the same, it would probably also train just metal crafters the same way. Yeah. <laughs> that also reminds me, I want to tell you a little story about pick hour, the, this fortress that I'm running into. Apparently my civilization is at war with the elves because whenever they're supposed to show up because uh, with, with caravans to trade with me, they show up and ambush me every time. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> so right. and I noticed this after like the third ambush of, of elves that seem to happen every spring. I was like, okay, okay. And, and I think I'm not positive, but I think that they're bringing their wares in and ending up just leaving them dumped on the ground after I kill all the elves. That, that is that very interesting. Me. That's pretty cool. Yeah, That's I'll, like free treasure. 
basically. Well, yeah, except it's all kinds of grown larch crap. I don't yeah, care no, about grown large shields. Yeah, so basically they just leave a mess on my fortress grounds, and it's a, a pain in the butt to clean up. Can you have but, it dumped into a pit and then set fire to the pit? I don't know about yes. setting fire to it, but I what I do is I is I to clean up. I dump them all into my atom smasher and I take care of it that way. Yeah, that's also fair. So that's one thing. It also brought to mind that the hospital that I have, because I'm into so many conflicts, I've got three squads of ten dwarves. There's one that is hammers. There's one that is maces, and then there's one that is I just let them choose whatever they want to to pick up for their weapon. And I'm about to start a, uh, I'm digging out my, my crop, my Mark's Dwarves training area. So that's going to happen. But my hospital, because my military is so active, tends to have a lot of activity in it. I finally was able to get some gypsum stones from a human caravan. I haven't found any in my, in my digging. And I haven't found anyone who has sold me any gypsum plaster. But to make your own gypsum powder, it seems like such an uh, such a pain because you got to find the gypsum, get the gypsum stone, and then you've got to, I think, put it in a kiln and do it that way. And I've still not got it quite figured out yet. But have have you either one of you made gypsum plaster? Mm. Uh, I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, only when I find gypsum. Probably, yeah. So, well, I have enough dwarves that that I feel that I need to populate my hospital with the gypsum plaster that it says that it wants. Um, Everything else, all of the other uh, needs of the hospital are filled out. And like I said, I'm using the hospital quite a bit because I get attacked by quite a few things. I tend to lose one, maybe two dwarves with each attack. But I have that's out of thirty that that end up in the fray, so that's not a bad uh, that's not a bad ratio, I don't think. Hmm. I just I just you know draft a peasant to take their place and and so on. Yeah, this fortress has been really fun. I'm hopefully going to be able to avoid frame death and and continue it out. So anyway, sorry for that aside. I wanted to talk about pick hour for a minute though. That's cool. I like hearing about pick hour. Uh, thank you so much, Dan, for for writing in. I believe that that was a comment on maybe episode 56, 55 or 56. But the next item has two different people who who asked a similar question. So the first one is um, Justin Lothamer uh, asks, the, what do we do when we first embark for a new fort? We've talked about this a little bit, but we can always go over it again. The first things that we do whenever we get to a embark location and and want to start our fortress. So let's just start with Roland. What do you do whenever you first get to a fortress for the first couple months? Are we talking about before I embark or after I already came to this spot where I want to go? I think after. I'm thinking in my head it was after after you get to the embark location, after you've already set up your... Well, of course, a lot of that is going to depend on what your what your embark profile is, and they're usually very, very closely related to each other. Because I always start with like egg layers and pickaxes, and you know, very basic stuff, not too much. Um, and the first thing I just do is dig down and make a tavern down in the rock layer. 
because I stopped completely ever building in any kind of dirt layer. So the first thing I do is just dig down until I hit stone and then think about how my um, thing looks. That is the very first thing I do. Oh, well, no, before before that happens, I usually check what's around me as in what kind of animals are around me because I really enjoy starting in untamed wilds. So you sometimes get like giant animals and I really like seeing like giant grasshoppers or like giant mantises scrawling around. It's pretty <laughs> cool. Uh so what do you do, Tony, when you first get there? Uh, I usually set up mushroom farms first and then a place with nest. The first, I usually embark with a nest box, so I set up a nest zone for the birds, whether they're turkeys or chickens. And, um, yeah, I do that food thing first, and then I put the still in there and make sure that it's set to stay on top of alcohol supplies. And then, like Roland, I go straight down into the rock layer and build a tavern just to get everybody out of the out of the elements yeah that's usually my starting thing and then sometimes i'll clear a big area for stockpile stuff so they can get the get all their crap in from the wagon um and then disassemble the wagon i'm in a bit of transition Uh, i am changing the way i start my fortresses based on uh, what you told me a few weeks ago tony and about putting your your trade depot above ground fencing off around your uh, your fortress that seems to be working pretty well but i've but i've not done enough fortresses to know that that's my way so what i used to do was dig straight into the side of the nearest hill channel if i had to but i always preferred to to build a hole in the side of the the a cliff wall because i imagined mine to look like the hall and entrance to the mines of moria and then i would First, build out a general purpose stockpile to get all the stuff off the off the the wagon. I destroy the wagon, um, then build some mushroom farms, and after that, start thinking about the actual layout of my fortress. So, um, Justin says that he always uses the DF VidTuts Embark profile, which was made by Captain Duck. What is that? Uh, because. I don't What's even that? know what I don't even know what that is. I would love to know more about what Vidid Tuts is. The I'm assuming that stands for Dwarf Fortress Video Tutorials. Oh. In my ah, profile. Well, there's a sense to that, isn't there? DF Vid Tuts? Yeah. Uh-huh. And being made by Captain Duck, who is a big tutorials guy, that would make sense. It's all coming together. So. Also it has ducks, you know, so that's pretty good. Does it have yes. ducks? Oh, it does cool. have ducks. Chickens and ducks. According oh, maybe Justin. I should use duck. I've never I like used ducks. It. I really like ducks as an animal, like in, in you know dwarf fortress yes, society. Yes. As an as an yes. eggling, I I absolutely agree. Ducks are adorable. Have you ever made a cake with a duck egg? Because I'm telling you, if you haven't, it's game changer. No, I haven't. But I I'm actually thinking about whether or not to get a Chinese walking duck as a pet. Make sure it lays eggs. Uh, if you do, you've got to take a picture of it and we'll use it as a, uh, <laughs> as an episode, uh, picture. I will call it kitten. <laughs> I hear that, or at least I read somewhere that you get the most food out of turkey eggs in Dwarf Fortress. I don't know if that's true. 
Well, it's probably buried somewhere in the raws. It would, yeah, yeah it, it the the size of the eggs is slightly different, which you you have to like imagine that the the size of the oh. eggs is different. But um, mm-hmm. it is more about how many eggs are being laid than you know. For example, a goose egg is massive compared to a hen egg. However, the chickens just do lay more eggs. Boom. Uh, the turkey lays a lot of eggs and they're fairly large so they're one of the best egg producers out there that you can get from their like start but for example cave crocodiles and uh, i think crundles uh, are even spammier when it comes to to eggies yeah you talk about liking ducks i grew up around geese and uh. Unlike ducks, geese can be mean yeah. and they're just aggressive. Assholes. Yeah, they're really yeah. assholes. And they're big and they hurt when they peck you. Yeah, they're just yeah, they dicks. Bite. Sorry, Apple Podcasts. I mean, we're oh, talking like, about geese, um, so it's okay. If I can, like, intervene, uh, Paranoid mm-hmm. Metroid just put in the chat that he always looks for bees, which, oh. um, yes, that is, that is, I tend to look for bees as soon as I set up the rest of my food department um, because it's more of a last resort because I've never made a fortress that can actually sustain anything of just bees uh, but it's a it's a nice thing to have like 10 barrels of meat in your entire fortress ever it's on my to-do list but there are other things that I want to master before I, I get there like right now my my immediate goal is the gypsum plaster thing so mm, yeah but yeah bees Bees, I've just put in the background, I think because it's more of a, a flavor and decoration thing than than utility. Yeah, well, you can do stuff with, wrong? with yeah. bees, though. You can do waxworking, and then you can set up a waxworking guild, which I know is wildly popular in oh. some places. That's, um, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so that's so the that's thing. Some places. Some places. <laughs> Hey, the, my, our our pal Clino Dev is a wax worker. Wax, we, we, all a wax good, we, yes. we all know. We all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. You know, in case anyone wasn't aware of that. Yeah. If if you don't know who we're talking about about the no, Clino Dev, no. check out the Reddit. Check out the Reddit. No, um, don't say. It. Uh, no, I know that you are. So, but check out check out uh, the Dwarf Fortress subreddit. Yeah. And Clino Dev is quite active on there. He's one of the moderators. So and one uh, of the Clino most Dev. skilled wax workers on <laughs> earth. I guess so. I guess yeah. so. I mean, you wouldn't uh, be in the guild if you weren't. So that's how I know. <laughs> I did so, my research, uh, guys. Akir Dragonheart. I hope I pronounced that right. Akir Dragonheart says that uh, it's a lot like me. I think they like to empty out their wagon right away so they don't mm-hmm. end up with stuff lying around when yes. uh, something happens to the wagon. I have found that if I don't do that quickly, that something always comes up and steals stuff off yeah. the wagon if it's still outside. But so after they dig out the entrance hall, and a room or two, uh, they set up a stockpile so that that takes everything. It seems like it's describing my own personal, at least what was my personal favorite. Maybe not rocks, but once everything's moved, they go and disable all things from being stored there. All the items will stay there, but count as being in a stockpile so that they don't degrade. Huh. Then once you get a stockpile for any of the specific items in there, the dwarves will automatically move the stuff to the new stockpile. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, so yeah. go in, create your stockpile, your general purpose stockpile. Once the wagon's unloaded, go into that stockpile, modify it to, dis- to forbid everything, 
And then as you put in the individual stockpiles, they will empty out your general purpose one that you did at the beginning. That's yes. been one thing that I've had to trouble with is figuring out how to easily get everything out of that first stockpile. That's it. Thank you, Mr. Drakenheart. Yeah, that sounds smart. I think we're going to have to leave these uh, these these other comments for a future episode. I think so. we roll into the next one. Yep. Yeah, Roland yeah. into the next one. I like Roland, that. Roland into the next one. That's going to be Roland our, to the that's future. That's going to be the episode title. Roland to the future. That's it. That's really <laughs> so. Yeah. If we didn't got. get to your uh, to your question or comment today, then uh, listen in. We will get to it to next future. week yeah. or next episode. Yeah. Or in the future. 100%. If we don't get to it in the next episode, your money back. Then resend us the comment Full because uh, yeah, <laughs> resend us the comment <laughs> because it is possible that through all of my email and comment juggling that I have lost it. And if so, I apologize, but please send it again. And uh, yeah, we really love to hear from you. That's U R I S T at DF is the email address or uh, go to DF and uh, make a comment to this episode. Uh, and we will be happy to answer the questions and talk about it and probably get sidetracked and talk about something that you really don't care about. But oh, that's just the way this works. Sure. That's going to happen. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, you got anything else that you want to talk about or cover today? Is there anything in the, in the chat questions that, um, no, but I would again, remind everyone listening at home to always save or make sure you're saving on each season because yeah, otherwise save you're right now. If you're listening and playing, save right now. Five minutes of work. Yeah, do that. <laughs> do that game. Okay. So everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening in from Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Happy Halloween and happy fortressing. A spooky evening, y'all. A spooky, safe evening. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. This is a conversational podcast. All craft store ship is of the highest quality.